Today on the MM&M Podcast. Why pharma marketers need AI now. In partnership with Alonzo Health. Alonzo Health. Featuring a discussion with Bill Gramley, CEO, Alazo Health. We are consumers in a way we never were before. There's more dollars that we're spending on our health care. There's more influence we have in our own care instead of just relying on the healthcare system to provide us that care. Here's your host, MMM Digital Editor, Jack O'Brien. Hi there, I'm Jack O'Brien, digital editor of MMM. It's a pleasure to have on the podcast today Bill Grambley, the CEO of Lazo Health. Bill, how are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming to our studio here in Manhattan. Always a pleasure to be able to interview people in person for the podcast. And I want to start off our conversation really trying to understand what Alazo Health's technology offers pharma marketers who make up the large composition of our audience. Well, Alazo Health, we have a, an artificial intelligence platform that we use to personalize healthcare experiences. And if you think about healthcare in general, uh, too often patients are kind of treated as this is your condition, this is your your issue, and everything is focused around that, as opposed to like we are treated anywhere else as healthcare consumers. And so we have a an, an AI platform that we use to predict patient intent and risk around it personalize that healthcare experience by uh, changing the operational outreach in terms of content, timing, cadence, uh, et cetera, and channel. And then the result of that is that it maximizes the result of the investment that the organization makes on creating those, those items, the, that content. I want to pull on that thread a little bit where you talk about the personalization aspect, kind of going back to the technology. How does that, you know, offer that for marketers? How are they able to, you know, kind of work that into their workflows, if you will? So if you think of uh, a program that is created by a pharma marketer, for example, that, that involves some kind of patient or consumer outreach, there's a series of touch points with that consumer or with that patient. Normally, those are, are created with a set of rules. So somebody enrolls and then over a period of time that there's a cadence of outreaches that, that occur. What we do, first, we will receive data from the customer. We will then augment that data with a variety of other sources. And, and this data is identified data, um, which therefore requires uh, some kind of opt-in by a consumer. And so we will use identified data, augment that data to create about 500 predictors about each person. And then we use that to predict what that, that patient will do, what that consumer will do. Now, then when we think about how do we execute a series of, of outreaches, we will look at the types of outreaches that are available. Again, channel, content, all of that. Make a decision for each patient at each point in time. How does, how is the, do we provide the best support for that patient along their journey, along that healthcare experience that we're trying to personalize? And therefore, as a result, we will decide to support this patient at this point in time. What is the content of an outreach? The channel of an outreach? Is it text? Is it email? Live phone call? App? Um, what is the timing of that? What is the cadence of that? And one of the things that, that we see regularly, if a, an organization has a program, let's say they have a program that has three emails in the first week, like that would be their rule that they use. 
Well, some people do need the, those three emails in that first week. They need to feel motivated. They need to feel engaged. Other people will see that and say, I, I want to opt out. Three, three emails is too much. Why are you communicating so much with me? And so of, of part of what we do is predict which patient needs which of those cadences. It also goes along with content. It also goes along with, um, with again, the timing of it. Even time of day matters. We, we did a study with, uh, with one of our customers looking at some data and, you know, uh, a single parent has a very busy afternoon, evening period, but less so when they're commuting, let's say. And so that changes when you should reach out to that person. And if you're not recognizing that in your program, then you're, you're leaving opportunities on the table when you've already created this investment in this program, the content, you've gone through approvals with everything you're doing. So th again, that's where we can predict that behavior, personalize the experience and then maximize the result of those investments. It's interesting to hear you kind of talk about, you know, how that personalization is basically derived from all this data and, and analyzing it. And to that end, I'm really kind of curious about something that we've seen a lot in the industry, which is AI, a fascination with AI, the application of AI across so many different aspects of the industry and even into uh, consumer behavior. Really curious from your perspective, if you can kind of give us a detail in terms of what AI is and as it relates to your technologies and your functionalities, how do you root out, say, any biases that may appear in that technology? So when we think about artificial intelligence, and, and you do hear about that phrase all over the place, like uh, your Netflix home screen, your, your Amazon list of products that they recommend you buy. So you hear about it all over the place. But fundamentally, what it is, is a, a set of statistical algorithms that that will create predictive models. And then as a result of those predictive models, follow an outcome and then learn. And the learning is a, is a big piece of this. It continues to learn as you get new data, as you get new outcomes, as you see the impact of the prior decisions that you've made. And so again, you, you see that all over the place now in the industry. And, you know, we do think it's time that, that pharma marketers leverage this to, to personalize their experience. Um, on the topic of bias, uh, it, it's very interesting when you, you do see press about, you know, negative outcomes that are perpetuated because of bias. And, and nobody means to do that, but the way you have to, to evaluate it. And, and we did a retrospective study, um, on our own with Walgreens looking at the actual result of a program that we ran. And when we looked at that for our AI, we saw that first, when we, we evaluated a population after we had run the program. Okay. So we, we kind of did the program, then looked at the result. And then when we looked at that population, we gathered additional data about those patients to look at things along the uh, CDC social vulnerability indexes. And that includes things like uh, socioeconomic status, uh, size of the household, um, income, a variety of things, disability factors, uh, transportation. So there's a variety of, of different uh, lenses there. When we looked at that and we looked at what the AI had already done, right? Again, this was done now looking historically at what the AI produced. We found that we actually created more support opportunities for those who were considered higher socially vulnerable populations. And in one specific case, when we looked at statin medications, there was a 26% greater support for those patients 
again, when they had higher vulnerability. And, and when we, again, think about our AI, we're always asking the question for a person at this point in a process, how do I support that person to get to the positive outcome? And so, and so when you think of it in that sense, well, that person who's more vulnerable is going to need more support to get to that positive outcome. And so therefore, our AI produces that as a result. And so you always do have to look at bias. You always have to understand what's going on with your prediction, what your input models look like, your, the things you're trying to produce as an outcome. But you know, we're very confident in the way that we've approached it and, and have this study to, to back that up. I'm really kind of curious pivoting the AI conversation just a little bit because it sounds like you kind of fancy yourself as a true believer in the technology and what it can afford the healthcare industry. I'm curious if you would consider it almost a must-have for pharma organizations, certainly this in the year of 2023, where we're at so many different points with innovations. Is AI a must-have for pharma? Uh, we certainly think so. And and the way that I think about it, you know, more and more pharma is creating programs that support patients through that experience. And, and whether it's getting exposure to the brand, getting a prescription with the, the physician, um, actually getting through the payment process with a, a payer, um, or even staying on the medicine long term. Like there's a series of these programs that exist. Well, we as healthcare consumers, and, and there's been, uh, you know, phrasing about this new healthcare economy where we are now consumers in our healthcare in a way that we weren't years ago. Um, even the advent of, of, uh, social media influencers when it comes to how patients interact and, and think about medicine, but, but we are consumers in a way we never were before. There's more dollars that we're spending on our health care. There's more influence we have in our own care instead of just relying on the healthcare system to provide us that care. When you think about us as healthcare consumers and, and you recognize that we do have behaviors outside of this one drug that I'm on, this one prescription that I'm on. Well, how do you reflect that in your program? And, and there's a few ways that AI does that. And so if you're not using AI, then, then you're, you're definitely leaving things on the table. So if you think about how AI can influence that, it provides a more holistic view of the patient. Uh, in the example I gave of you know, a single parent, they're not going to tell you that. You have to try and understand that patient to, to really get out there and, and predict that behavior. Um, and so they're going to, when you think about how AI can support that, you're going to have to look at data to provide that holistic view. You also have to eliminate silos of data in your organization. And then if you think about the breadth of opportunities, there's no way you can create a set of rules that will actually encompass everything you want to do. And a very simple example, let's say you had three touch points or three reasons to reach a patient and you had five different content types for those, just ignoring for a moment channel and timing. That's 125 different paths that somebody could go. Are you going to make 125 different rules? Probably not. And so, but with AI, you can actually now have a set of algorithms that will predict that behavior, drive to the positive outcome, understanding how patients actually flow through that 125 set of, of possible choices. 
it's so interesting to hear you talk again about kind of the personalization aspect and how that has become such a cornerstone of of reaching patients and certainly marketing towards them. I know that omnichannel has certainly been something that I've heard a lot about in the past year or so as agencies kind of making that a larger part of their strategic vision. Curious how you think of omnichannel and AI interacting. Can you do one without the other? Do they both have to be done, you know, in combination? Where are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and and it's a great question because I think we often hear the phrase multi-channel and then omni-channel, and and there is an evolution there. And to really get true omni-channel, you should be using AI. And and the evolution, you know, multi-channel and and a lot of a lot of organizations will jump for joy if somebody gives them permission to call them and email them and text them, right? Mm -hmm. Yay, we, we now have a fully engaged patient. Well, if you do all three you're probably going to have more patients that opt out. So that's multi-channel, right? We have these multiple options, but omni-channel actually coordinates all of that now. And again, the moment you try and do that coordination, if you're not using AI, then you're going to have to have this really complex set of of rules to drive your program. And, And even in kind of cases where you use like a persona based approach where you know you you profile your patients into some number of subgroups well now you've just increased the number of rules you have but you've also tried to pigeonhole a patient into a box but when you start again using ai when you use this breadth of data in a in a very secure and compliant manner then you can actually make that experience feel real for somebody you know, think think of your friends. You've probably got friends like I do who are, you know, in their 50s with kids in high school. But I also have friends who are in their 50s who either never had kids or they had kids young and now they're thinking about grandkids. Like they all have different expectations about what an experience is. And again, with, without AI, you're, you're just making rules that leave people off to the side. So I know we've had a lot of conversation thus far about AI and its role in omnichannel, but really curious if there's any one or multiple success stories on that front that stands out to you. Yeah, so we've uh, we've worked with a number of organizations over time now on on these exact programs, and and one that that stands out to me, a, an organization whose goal was to increase the number of patients on their script, and they so they had a program. Somebody would opt in, and then and then there was a series of outreaches to support that patient, kind of getting educated, getting um, to the point that they actually get the script, and. When we started working with them, we saw a 5.8% increase in the number of patients that were getting on this therapy, and that's within 90 days of signing up. So if you if you cut that off at 90 days. Now, how that occurred, again, in this program, they had a series of emails, text messages, and some live phone calls, um, all designed to just support that patient through getting the script for the first time. Um, when we got in and we started working with them, uh, in addition to aggregating data from a number of different data sources in that organization, and then augmenting that data with this other data that we have available to us, we then made those predictions that I had referenced before and altered that channel, so SMS, email, live phone call, uh, the content, the timing, and the cadence of all of those outreaches. Now, as a component of that, it ended up that... um, so we looked at that 5.8%, but part of the way we got there is we actually saw email open rates increase 
between five and 30 percentage points, which, you know, again, if we're thinking about measures of success, we, we always care about that, that 5.8. But now we're seeing patients actually engage more in the program in support of that, that end outcome. And so, again, without AI, you know, you, you can't make enough rules to actually cover all of what you want. But with AI now, you can actually look at it in a very different way to drive some of those outcomes that we talked about on omni-channel way. Excellent. Again, I appreciate you being here and, and, you know, certainly coming in for a conversation always brings a different dynamic to a podcast. And I wanted to end the conversation by starting at the beginning in terms of any sort of advice that you would give to pharma marketers that may be going through their first, you know, experience with AI, how they can really develop it and launch it in an effective way. Does anything stand out to you? Yeah, a few things come out to me. So, so one, uh, you definitely want to look at, at proof points, case studies, you know, published or, or at least references. Uh, you know, some of the examples that we shared here fall into that category, but we have a number of things that, that we have done to prove the, the applicability. We also work across kind of the pharma spectrum of very large patient population drugs, very, very small, rare disease drugs. So, so that's the first thing to look at is kind of proof points and case studies. Uh, second is the, the breadth of the data available. And, you know, when we think about RAI, we have that 25 million or so odd patients in our, in our data that become that foundation of, of those predictions. Uh, the ability to get this additional data, uh, we use that data to, to create a much more robust profile of each patient, each consumer that we that we target, so that we create about 500 predictors on each each individual. We then we really want to make sure it's got some near real-time learning. So um, most of our processes work on a daily basis. So every iteration of the data, every new outreach, we're actually incorporating that into our into our models for the, the AI to use. And then integration to the infrastructure. So we talked about how the AI can actually now drive changes to that workflow, right? It, it's making decisions about how that outreach should occur. In order to execute on that, you need to make sure it's integrated so that when you get that recommendation, there's the execution step that's appropriately done. So there's that integration you'll need to do on the, on the operational front. And then lastly, uh, really the, this foundational element of privacy and, and compliance and security. Uh, when we deal with identified data, when we're dealing with true personalizing at the patient level, that kind of N of one level, we really need to make sure that all that data is, is protected, treated appropriately. And, and of course, we spend a lot of time on that, but any organization that's doing this needs to, to make sure they exceed those expectations within the industry. Excellent. Well, again, I appreciate you being on the show here, coming in. Um, didn't know if there was anything else that we should know about Alazo. Any ebooks that might be? Yeah, thanks, and uh, definitely appreciate the the opportunity to, to spend some time with you. Love the questions. Uh, we do have an ebook. You can go to alazohealth.com/slash/gamechangers and and find an, an ebook from uh, related to this topic. So, excellent. Well, thanks again, Bill. Great. Thank you. 